in every country Treats, you know we can Work together and learn what we need To meet the challenge Traditional skills and modern techniques Whatever language you speak You have a world to offer Every day Climb with the ISA Welcome to the ISA's Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory, host of Science of Arboriculture. This podcast series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture to bring you the latest research-based information on tree care. Today's lecture is by Dr. Steve Jeffers, who is a plant pathologist at Clemson University in Clemson, South Carolina. His research focuses on Phytophthora root rot and other diseases of landscape plants. His talk today is titled Phytophthora Canker on Laurel Oak. This talk was originally presented at the Southern Chapter Meeting of the ISA in Charlotte, North Carolina on March 30, 2010. Well, it's a pleasure to be here and I thank the uh, committee for having come. A little plug on what we've heard from these other two speakers. We're seeing lots of damage on trees that we haven't seen in the past. The unfortunate thing is lots of these things don't get the national attention and funding because they're not important crop type species. This laurel wilt has been deemed an ecological disaster. It has literally wiped out a whole species in our coastal forest. But we have very little funding and very little support. If it wasn't for Steve and his group, there would have been very little effort here. But until it hits a tree of economic importance, like avocado, it doesn't get national attention and funding. That's why we're so afraid if it gets down around the Gulf and gets down into the southern part of the world, it'll really be damaging there. And this is another type of a disease we're going to talk about on laurel oak. We don't hear much about laurel oak. It's a native tree. And this is a disease that's kind of eating its way through laurel, laurel oak. I'll try not to say laurel wilt. And we'll try and show you what's going on. Laurel oak's a tree we've grown up with. It's a rapid-growing, short-lived tree in the moist woods of the southeastern coastal plain. It's native to these areas. It really doesn't have any value as lumber, but it does prove to be good fuel. People use it for burning when they take these trees down. It's often retained uh, as landscape tree. They are beautiful oaks. They're there before the houses came, before the malls came, and they've often tried to save these trees and build around them. We have a number of our arborists on the coast that will try and take full-grown trees and move them and put them in sites because they are desirable trees. They do produce a large crop of acorns and have been good food source for a number of wildlife species. So they are a very valuable tree in our landscapes. Some facts about them, they are in the beech family, the Phagaceae, like the other oaks, Quercus laurifolia, also known as the diamond leaf oak because the, the leaf tends to be in a diamond shape. Again, the habitat of this tree is in the moist, to wet sandy soils along rivers and swamps. That's where it's, where it's native. Here's the range. You find laurel oaks all the way from up Pennsylvania down the coast around over to Texas. In the southeast, they go as far north into Arkansas, native to the Atlantic and Gulf Coast area. They're native to both North and South Carolina. In our states, here's where we find them. 
in South Carolina, surely along the coast, and they've, been, uh, they've moved, they're found in the Piedmont area. You'll also find them up into the upstate area, very near to where we are here. In North Carolina, it's scattered on the coast and also present over in the Piedmont area. So these trees are native to lots of areas where we work. Phytophthora canker and root, root rut is a fairly new, new disease on laurel oak. It was first reported in two, 2002 down in Florida by a graduate student at Clemson who went down there. Many of you may remember Frank Tainer was our forest pathologist at Clemson, and he got called about a disease on Laurel Oak, sent one of our students down. Uh, Alicia was a student that both Frank and I co-advised, and she went down and did the isolations and was able to recover Phytophthora cinnamomi and had the first report of that. And that's the first time we'd seen it and it wasn't, didn't seem to be a big deal. Later on, we observed this a, a year later, one of the county agents called me and I had an arborist in South Carolina call and say we had some trees dying on the, on the barrier islands. Later, we found it in 2004 in another county closer to home in Charleston. And now it appears to be very widespread on both native and landscape trees. It's all up and down the coast. We found trees dying up in Georgetown County just a couple of years ago. I'm going to show you what the symptoms look like. And we'll go through different types of symptoms. You see the thinning crown. This is on one of the islands down on the coast. Uh, foliage dying. Here's a landscape, this is a, na a natural setting. Here's a tree in a landscape that obviously the house was built around the tree. Unfortunately, we see what happens lots of times. People have a tree and they want to plant a garden around the tree, which is nice for the garden, but not nice for how trees like to grow. But this thinning crown is the first sign, or one of the first signs you'll, you'll see. If you look at the base of the trees, these things stick out, these bleeding cankers, very typical of a Phytophthora disease. This is where the bark has been damaged and the fungus is uh, doing its thing and the sap seems to start oozing out and as it gets outside the tree it begins to oxidize and cause this dark discoloration. Some of the times you'll actually see sap weeping out there. This is the canker stage. We see a few at the base. We've seen a lot of trees that have pockmarks all the way up the trunk. And in some cases, we've seen them as high up as eight or 10 feet above ground. This fellow's about five foot 10, and he's got his hand up, so that's a good seven or eight feet above, above ground. So these cankers uh, riddle the barks and cause a lot of damage. You see it on the, on the uh, trunk of the tree. If you cut into those cankers with either a knife or a hatchet, you'll see this very typical canker that we see here. This is the natural color of the tree. It's kind of the laurel oak, has kind of a creamy white or a salmon uh, bark. And this is very typical of a Phytophthora canker. We have an orange, it'll be orange, it'll be reddish brown. Over time, it'll turn dark brown like you see over here, almost always is it uh, encircled by a, by a margin area, a very distinct line between healthy and diseased tissue. We see this on this tree species, the sudden oak death problem that's raging out west has a very similar type of canker. 
Matter of fact, when they called me about, about this, that was the thing, Sudden Oak death had been big in the news, and they were calling to see maybe it was affecting Laurel Oaks. The good news was it wasn't Sudden Oak death, but we did have a Phytophthora canker uh, going nuts on some of these trees. Here's a tree that we have the cankers, you can see the pock marks, and then we've cut into those. And you see the little bleeding spot here, the discoloration on the outside, there's a much bigger canker underneath there, and this almost extends from one down to the next one. Seems the farther we dig in, the more we chip away at those, the, the bigger that canker gets, which started me thinking that maybe this is coming from the inside out and not from the outside in. I don't think this is an infection point that's gone into the tree. I think the infection has happened somewhere else and it's now coming out. And I'll show you more about that. Here's another tree in landscape, and this where the picture gets a little clearer. We don't see the typical pockmarks here, and this is a tree that had a very thin crown. And we know something was wrong, but we noticed down here at the base, these roots didn't look very good, these flare roots. When we started whittling away on these flare roots, we found out that they were in fact rotted. Here's another piece, and that's not fresh. That's a canker that's old. Now we're starting to think that maybe this is really a root rot that's gone nuts. I think what's happening is the roots are becoming infected, which is more typical of a Phytophthora disease, and then it's running up the trunk of the tree. Here's another site we had the option of going down once we started thinking about this, and it makes more sense that it would come in from, from the ground and move up than from the top and move down. Here's a tree that was riddled with uh, bleeding spots, we started cutting away at those and we could find, uh, this is actually on the back side of this tree over by the bag, but we found little canker spots and the more we dug we could connect these. And they eventually moved down into the flare root where the canker got much, much bigger. Here's some trees we've seen around town. These are very noteworthy trees. Uh, land landscape trees like Steve was showing, you hate to see these beautiful trees go down. Here's at the base, again, looks like the canker's moving up from below ground. And the thing that bothers me here, as you see, this is the basal area of this tree. We have a beautiful tree, and then we've decided to plant a garden in there, and there's irrigation lines all over this to keep the landscape planting, the perennials and the bedding plants alive. What happens is these people and we're all guilty of this, they water for the perennials and not for the tree. I think if that irrigation line had not been present and that ground had not been kept so wet, that this tree probably would not have gotten diseased. Because the Phytophthoras, as many of you know, like wet soil, they like wet conditions. And this is a case where I think we've overwatered and encouraged the infection. Many of you may have seen this tree in the past. This is the tree that was in Marion Square. It died. We didn't get there in time. They sent us some samples. We were able to recover Phytophthora from the, the soil and the roots around there. But that tree eventually looked like that and now is gone. There's no turning back on these things. 
Here's a picture my county agent uh, colleague sent me from Georgetown. She said, I think we've got this here. That's as far north as, we, as we've seen it. I've not had any diagnoses uh, in North Carolina yet, but it may just be that we haven't looked. Uh, some of my Bartlett colleagues may have found them, and if they have, I'd like to know about it. But here's typical pockmarking on the cankers on the stem. Uh, here's the lower base of that. The county agent followed directions and sent us samples in, and we were able to recover Phytophthora from that tree. Here's a tree that got sent in last summer from Mount Pleasant area, a backyard tree, another beautiful laurel oak tree that the, the house was built up around there. Um, tree's dead, and you see the typical uh, can cankers on the base of that tree. Again, I'm betting that this came up from the bottom and moved up the stem of the tree. I got an email message in 2008 from someone I've never known before from Hawkins, Texas. They'd seen things we have up on the web and said uh, they think they might have laurel oak or uh, they might have Phytophthora canker on their laurel oaks. And all I have are the pictures, but that looks typical, and I'm guessing they have the same, the same thing there. What did we find? We were able to do the isolations in the lab, and we found Phytophthora cinnamomi. This is a very common species. It is by far the most common Phytophthora species we recover from woody ornamental plants here in the southeast. It attacks all kinds of things like pines, rhododendrons, Ericaceous plants, it attacks uh, lots of different woody plant species. It causes similar symptoms on other urban and forest trees. It causes things like uh, little leaf disease on shortleaf pine. It causes root rot on chestnut tree that was wiping out chestnuts long before chestnut blight came in. The important thing is it's widespread in our South Carolina and North Carolina soils. We can go up in the mountains and recover peace in a momi from about 30 or 40 percent of the soil samples that we collect up in the mountains. It is a notorious plant pathogen on a world, worldwide basis. It's caused epidemics in woody plants on most of the continents, so it's been around. Here's a table I got from John Frampton at North Carolina State. <coughs> who's involved in breeding chestnuts for resistance to this uh, disease. And he did a little uh, digging and found out that P. cinnamomi is believed to have come into the United States on exotic flora or through wood products back in the early 1800s. When we were a new country, they were bringing things in from Southeast Asia to decorate our our new homes, the plantations, they brought in lots of different woods to build furniture and decking, and they brought in some very cool looking plants that someone found down in Southeast Asia that thought might grow here. And we know this species is native to that area and they probably brought it along with soil. 1930, it was first officially documented uh, on three species of rhododendron, and it was only a couple of years later that it was diagnosed as causing the ink disease on American chestnut, which is root rot on chestnut trees. A lot of people forget that chestnut was dying in the southern range of that tree species before chestnut blight came in, and it's because this, this fungus was, had been introduced in our soils and we moved it along as we colonized farther and farther inland. After we farmed the death out of our soils, with cotton, we planted pines. 
uh, Phytophthorus in a Momi found it like pines just fine, and you can track the distribution of that organism by where pine plantations were planted throughout the southeast. 1963, it was reported on Fraser fir in North Carolina, and now we know it attacks well over a thousand plants on a worldwide basis. So pretty important organism, and particularly on woody plants. Here's what we know to date about this disease on laurel oak. So far, we've only seen laurel oaks affected. I've been called out to look at lots of other uh, canker diseases on other oaks in our, in our region. So, so far, we've only seen Phytophthora root rot on the laurel oaks. I guess that's the good news. We do know that other oaks are susceptible to this spe species, and they have been reported to be diseased in other regions, but so far, we've not seen them here. Here's what I think has happened. We have an organism that's been around for 200 years. We have a tree species that's native. Why are we having a disease epidemic now? We first started seeing this around 2002 and 2003. If you remember before that, we had six years of drought. These trees are native to wetland areas where their trees tend to be more shallow rooted and those soils were dry, 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 dry. I think those trees were stressed and they were predisposed to infection. When that drought broke in 2003, we had rains that came that we thought would never stop, like we've had this last year. So all of a sudden we went from being dry, we have stressed trees, there's not a lot of healthy material in the base of that tree, there's a lot of spots around here that shows good evidence of decay, which tends to support what we're thinking. How do we manage this disease at this point in the game? I think trees with bleeding cankers, if this truly started as a root rot and has moved up, by the time we see the bleeding cankers, it's probably too late to, to save those trees. But on a, a choice tree in a land, landscape setting, you could certainly try. Some of the treatments may slow the disease pro progress. But I think our treatment should focus on the healthy appearing trees in areas where we're seeing laurel oak root rot. I think we can save those, those trees if we act in time. We have several fungicides that are available that are registered to use. You're probably aware of these. Subdumax has been around a while. It's kind of the gold standard for Phytophthora root rot management. It's applied as a soil drench. It's taken up by the feeder roots and moved upward in the trees. It's got a long history of being a very successful product. We also have a newer group of, of compounds, the phosphonates, phosphites, phosphorus acid. They're all the same thing, and they have all kinds of names. Aliette's been around for a long time. There's also Allude, Agrifos, Biofos. The names go on and on. Whip's available, but only for an injection. These are kind of neat because they're the only fungicide that we have that are truly systemic. That means they move both upwards and downwards. Lots of our fungicides will move upward in the, in the xylem with the water flow, but they don't go down. So these you can actually apply as a foliar spray, and they will be moved down into the roots. This works well on shrubs and plants you can get spray on, but on a mature laurel oak, I'm guessing it's not very practical 
to put a foliar spray on. But one thing we have been trying is looking at trunk sprays with pentabark that Steve mentioned, or there are trunk injections. The trunk sprays were actually developed to fight Phytophthora rhodomorum and sudden oak death. Pentabark is a product that's a supposedly marketed as a bark penetrating surfactant. It's supposed to help carry the fungicide across the bark so it can get into the vascular system. We haven't done enough work with it to know if it really works well. There is some reports out west and down in other countries where it has worked and been an effective tr treatment. I was disappointed with Steve's data that he showed that it didn't work too well on laurel wilt. But I, if you notice those bars, it didn't save all the trees, but at least it saved half of them. So there, there was some evidence that using this in, on the laurel wilt was also e effective. The other thing you can do is apply those also as a soil drench like you can with these. But by, by putting on a, a, a trunk spray, you don't have to wound the trees like you do with a trunk injection. You use much less product. You can target your application right to that trunk area. And we've tried it on the Clemson campus with my buddy Paul in the back there. We've tried it on several trees. And at least we know the trees aren't getting worse. And that's, that's not very good data. But lots of times what we need to do is get down into some of these landscape settings and be able to take pairs of trees where they're both diseased and treat one and leave one not treated, which not too many people like to have the not treated one on their property. <clears throat> but we're going to try and find some natural areas where we can do this. So I think there's hope that we can stop some of this, but I think, again, it all started about 10 years ago or 8 years ago, and we're just seeing the results that started with a drought that pushed the balance of this fungus and tree that have lived together for a couple of hundred years. They've been happy together, but uh, that drought, I think, stressed things out and uh, stressed the trees out and gave the organism a chance to get in. That concludes Dr. Steve Jeffers' presentation titled Phytophthora Canker on Laurel Oak. If you would like to receive CEUs for today's talk, you can go to the ISA website at isa-arbor.com, click on the Education and Research tab, then on Online Learning and Online Quizzes. After you register for the quiz, you will need to enter the code for this lecture, which is SA4271. Again, SA4271. If you have other topics that you would like us to provide podcasts for, please feel free to contact Luana Vargas, the producer of this series, at the ISA office in Champaign, Illinois, or me, Tom Smiley, at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country, trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques, whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA